religion without reality, form without force. As James said, as we studied a few months back, faith without works is dead. To quote Paul and Titus, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. Do you have true salvation this morning? It comes with power. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old life has passed away and everything has become new. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brody, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We are in a series of special messages that were delivered by Dr. Brody over the past couple of years. And today is part three and the conclusion of his sermon entitled, Sharing Christ in the Last Days. As we move closer towards the last days, Pastor Carl reminds us that we can have hope because God's truth in the end will be vindicated. Please join us in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we continue. So on the one hand, we, we need to hold out forgiveness. On the other hand, we need to hold up God's standard. I don't care if it's in marriage or business. People today, it's hard to do, make a deal with someone on a handshake or just your word because you don't know where they're going to go. The next word is malicious gossips. So these five words are linked together with family life, with the alpha prefix. Now he goes into seven words that are far wider than the family, and the first is malicious gossips. The Greek word is diabolus. We get our English word diabolical or, or devil from it. The King James renders it false accusers. Some translations say slanderers. And that's what the devil, that's what the word devil means, slander. The devil at heart is a slanderer. He takes a good name and a good reputation, and he slanders it. And people who do not keep their word, who are truce breakers, will often defend their position by slandering the person whom they broke the agreement with. Then he adds, without self-control, and that certainly characterizes a large portion of our culture. If it feels good, do it, whether it's getting high on drugs or alcohol or illegitimate sex. Again, Paul wants us to understand that this is behavior that typifies the last days, and it will intensify as we move through the age. In addition, this lack of self-control manifests itself by those who are described here as brutal. Do you see it? Brutal. Uh, the Net Bible says savage. A name eros means fierce. It's used of savage beasts in Koine Greek outside of the Bible. And we're seeing a trend where there's just growing violence in our culture. The murder rate in the last 18 months nationally is up 30%. That should concern you. There are now 140 known terrorist groups that are operating in the world. That's just grown exponentially. And while we're on the subject of brutality and savage behavior, remember what Hitler did with the Jews. He termed them as non-people. He said they're like rats. And some of you have been with me to Yad Vashem, and we, we've seen all the publicity that he did amongst those nations that he conquered. He said they're like rats and they need to be exterminated. And that's really what we've done with children in the womb. They're not little babies whose life began at the moment of conception. They're fetuses. 
and they can be exterminated. Yes, right up until one minute before they are born. So our president says, I'm personally against abortion, but what a person does with their own body is their own business. And the Pope seemingly agreed and went against his own cardinals and bishops here in the American church who refused to give our president communion, but the Pope said you should give him communion. Well, if Hitler were a Catholic, would you give him communion? I mean, do you have not have a line somewhere in your perverted way of thinking? It's like someone saying, well, I am personally against exterminating Jews, but whatever someone does in their own private gas chamber is their own personal business. And sadly, this brutality is being justified throughout our mainline denominations. And if today is a typical day, by a pill or by a vacuum cleaner or by a set of forceps, 4,500 babies will be exterminated. In addition, the society of the last days will be haters of good. The King James wanting to personalize, it says, despisers of those that are good. So instead of honoring what is good, we despise what is good. And more and more in society today, the standards of right and wrong are being denied and compromised and just utterly destroyed. So the heroes are no longer the men of God and the evangelists and the missionaries and the godly dads and the mother who chooses to stay home and raise her children. Those aren't the heroes of the youth at large. No, the immoral Hollywood stars and the athletes. I'm not against sports, God knows that, but sports has become like a god in our day. Isaiah warns, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In addition, he says, those days will be treacherous. One, the complete Jewish Bible says traitorous. It's the same word that's used in Luke chapter 6, descriptive of Judas, who is a traitor. Describes people who betray others because they can't be trusted. They lie. They break their promises. They betray others. They break friendships. Then he describes them further as reckless. They're rash. They don't, they don't really have any careful way of thinking about the decisions they make. It's just reckless. Then he adds conceited. One paraphrase says, puffed up with pride. The King James says they're high-minded. They're, they're just swollen with conceit because they're so into themselves. He will be a lover of money and a, and a lover of self, as stated earlier. And such people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Understand, the Bible's not against true pleasure. It's just against worldly pleasure. The psalmist said, you will, make me, you will make known to me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. The problem is, is that when we substitute the kind of pleasure that God created you for, for what the world is offering, there are Christians who are not in church today in different parts of the world because they didn't feel like getting up. It was rainy. It was wet. It was cold. Some places where the sun's shining, they're out in the golf course. Some are still lounging around the kitchen, drinking their coffee. Not that they couldn't be here. I understand some can't be here. But because they won't be here. Lovers of pleasure, the restaurants are full, the stadiums are packed, but the churches are empty. 50,000 churches are expected to close. 
The reason is, is because men in the last days will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now listen, it's no longer the Lord's day, is it? It's just the weekend. And God says, as you see, because there is an assumption that you can see, that you can understand God's prophetic schedule unfolding, that when you see all these things happen, you need all the more to gather together. All the more as you see the day drawing near. But when we reverse the order of the first and the third by putting ourselves first and God last, then our human relationship will suffer. And it's only the gospel that can take someone from being self-centered to being God-centered and other-centered. Now, quickly, the religious observance in the last days. The religious observance in the last days. Please notice, if you will, verse 5. These people will be holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Now, most Americans don't need religion, however they express that self. Climate change, that's a religion in itself. But what they need is true religion, saving religion. And we have a lot of religion that is just empty and meaningless. Isaiah dealt with the problem in his day, and he wrote these words, God speaking, I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They become a burden to me. I'm wary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Read the book of Amos. It's the same problem. It's the theme of the book. And Jesus underscored the same problem in his day with the Pharisees when he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and indulgence. They carefully, meticulously jump through all these little religious acts, but on the inside, Jesus said they were like dead men's bones. That's what he's describing here. They have a form of godliness outwardly, but inwardly they are absolutely bankrupt. Religion without reality, form without force. As James said, as we studied a few months back, faith without works is dead. To quote Paul and Titus, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. Do you have true salvation this morning? It comes with power. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old life has passed away and everything has become new. And understand, Paul then adds a warning. Notice, avoid such men as these. Now, that does not mean that Timothy was to remove himself with all contact from the lost people. Jesus was a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. In fact, if you were to try to do that, Paul argues in 1 Corinthians 5, you'd have to leave the planet. So what is he describing here? Again, he's dealing with people who have a form of godliness. They are professing Christians. They are fake Christians. Avoid such men as these. They don't have the real thing. And that's why Jesus, on the one hand, said, hey, look, if a man is a tax gatherer, a sinner, you should be a friend of his so you can win him to the Savior. But if he's a confessing believer and he's living an immoral or a less than pleasing lifestyle that is bringing harm to the testimony of the local church, then you should treat him as a tax gatherer. You should separate from him. Avoid such men as these. 
And sadly, there are many wonderful pastors across our nation. And some of God's people out of tradition are in bad churches. They say, well, I'm here to have an influence. You know, there's a lot of lost people in this church, and I'm here to have an influence. You're having an influence, all right. They look at you and say, well, he's a good man. He goes to such and such church. Maybe I need to go to that church. Yeah, you're having an influence. You're bringing them under a dead, fake, lost preacher. Oh, but we've been going here for generations. You know, my great-grandfather's buried out back. My grandfather's buried out back. Mom and dad are buried out back. I can't leave. Look, if grandma and grandpa could get up and leave, they would. They can't. You should. You should get out of a liberal church. You ought to be in a Christ-centered, Bible-believing church where the pastor makes no compromise. Finally, in addition to their moral conduct, look at their proselytizing zeal. Their proselytizing zeal in the last days. We read here in verse 6, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. The devil loves company. And so he has his men who try to captivate weak women, he says. Paul gave the same descriptive terms. He broadened it to men and women alike in Romans 1 of people who give hearty approval to those who practice sin. You get drunk for the first time, you feel kind of bad. Second time you get drunk, you don't feel quite as bad. Third time, you want someone to get drunk with you. You lose your virginity, you want other people to lose their virginity with you. You become an evangelist for sin. And he's describing here, I say proselytizing zeal. It's really, it's a, it's a military term that is used. And that they capture these weak women. They go into their households. Why into their households? Because that's where the church met. They, they, they didn't have, you know, local assemblies that met in buildings like this. They met in homes. So assumingly, when the man is out working by the sweat of his brow to do what he's supposed to do and earn a living for his family and... Mom's at home, in comes these false teachers, trying to captivate them, trying to carry them away. And the Scripture says they're weighed down with sin. They're, they're, they're looking for answers, but in all the wrong places. They're just guilty people. And they embrace a Joseph Smith or a Kenneth Copeland or a Joel Osteen or a Joyce Myers. I mean, someone said to me, you don't love Joyce Myers? And I said, absolutely not. She's a heretic. But our people today in America are so blurred and they can't think clearly because the Bible is not being taught in their pulpits. Now, understand, he's not picking on women here. He says the source of their problems are men who are entering in and carrying them away. Both are involved, but they're duped. They think everything's okay. Always learning, verse 7 and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They'll listen to anybody, kind of like the Athenians in Acts 17. As their pastime, they would just listen to different speakers. It's your truth, my truth, whatever you want to be true. And so to illustrate these evil men who come in to capture these women, he looks at the illustration of Janus and Jambres, who opposed Moses. Now, if you try to find in the Old Testament the names Janus and Jambres, you won't. Not found in the Old Testament. It is a tradition through the centuries that these two men, we, we, we know what they were a part of. They were a part of the men who opposed Moses, who were magicians. You remember, they had the encounter with Pharaoh, and 
Moses put down his staff, it turned into a snake, and they replicated it. Satan has power. But then God's power was superior, and Moses' staff ate all their snakes. And so there was a tradition all the way back into the early Midrash uh, commentaries on the Tanakh, and they said, well, Janus and Jambres was were two men that opposed uh, Moses there in front of Pharaoh. Well, some traditions, that's all they are, traditions, and some traditions are false, but occasionally God puts his stamp of approval on a tradition, and he does in this particular case. They're imitators, and that's what false religion is. It's a counterfeit. It's an imitation. That's why John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they be of God. And so we live in the last days where people attack the Bible. They say, a lady wrote me this morning from Australia. I haven't even responded yet for the Bible line. Rick already probably saw the question. She said, well, you know, the, here in Australia, these preachers were saying the Bible's true. It's just not completely true. It's inspired, but not completely inspired. See, that's what they do. Well, if it's not all true, what parts are true? Just what you want to pick and choose? So every false religion has either an attack against the Bible, you can't trust it, or some interpretation that no one else has seen in 2,000 years, and look, if it's new, it's not true, or they have some dream, some prophecy, some additional book. I am sick and tired of hearing Christians about the dreams they've had. Let me tell you about your dream, my dream, Pastor, like it has some authority. It has no authority. God's canon is closed. These are men of depraved mind. Men of depraved mind further rejected in regard to the truth. We discuss this word depraved or reprobate or useless depending on your English translation. Without the alpha prefix, it was used of a metal that was tested and found worthy. With the alpha pretext, it means just the opposite. A depraved mind is really an upside down mind. And that's where we are today. You see, who's the evil one today? Men like Pastor Carl Brogy. He's homophobic, they tell me. He hates gays and lesbians. And no, I don't. I don't hate them any more than the adulterer, the drunkard, or anyone else. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. But if I didn't tell you the truth, I would be a false prophet. But you see, a depraved mind, These are, this is a society filled with depraved minds. They're embracing the exact opposite of what God says. And so at the end, they are rejected. They are tested, and they are found to be counterfeit. But Paul wants to underscore here that just like Janus and Jambres ultimately were defeated, so were these people be, verse 9, but they will not make further progress. For their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres folly was also. Let me leave us with some applications as we close this morning. Number one, God's truth is protected by practical biblical separation. God's truth is protected by practical biblical separation. Now, we live in a day of ecumenicism, and there are many movements in Christendom that are screaming for unity. And on the one hand, we should do everything in our power to be unified with other Bible-believing Christians. That's what Jesus prayed for in his high priestly prayer, that, they, that the world may believe that you sent me, how? By our oneness. But understand the oneness that the Lord Jesus is speaking about is oneness amongst those who are born again. 
Now, we must never, ever, ever forget that just as the gospel seed is being sown, tares by the evil one are equally sown. And they will even come into the local assembly, into Bible-believing assemblies. There's a day coming when Jesus will separate the wheat from the weeds. But what are we to do with those who have turned from the truth? Listen to these verses. 2 Thessalonians 3.14, And if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that man and do not associate with him. Oh, that sounds so hateful. Do not associate with him so that he may be put to shame. I had a man tell me that I wasn't saved. Why am I not saved? Because you weren't saved in the King James Bible. And the King James Bible is the only pure seed, so you're not saved. We're not talking about this ridiculous forms of separation that some people have invented. We're talking about people who have departed from critical historical doctrines of the Christian faith. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 16, 17. I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from him. Or here in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, I wrote you in my letter, not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, the lost, or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. You'd have to leave the planet. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. If he should be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or reviler or a drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Listen, we are living in the last of the last days. You have to have your head in the sand and not have read the Scriptures, not to understand it. There is to be a coming out, a separation from those who defy basic truth, and now it's walked in the front door of the evangelical church. The evangelical church now, these different leaders, I don't even want to spend my time on it this morning, embracing evil. But there should be a coming in. The Bible says we are to think how we can encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, we are living in challenging days. And listen, as a parent, you should be here on Sunday morning if you're able, and you should be here with your children. And you shouldn't put them in Sunday school both hours. They should be in the worship service if they're at least five years of age. Now, I know people come. I talk to our visitors every week. Oh, you don't have a children's church? I just came from a church, and they had children's church all the way through the sixth grade. We really like that. You don't have that? No, I don't. Why not? Because it's unbiblical. There's an assumption in Ephesians when Paul says, Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord that there is children present if they are old enough to understand that phrase or old enough to be in church. So we invite them to come in at the age of five. If you want to bring them in before, good. If someone cries like they did, I think it was the last service, the lady got up and left. Okay, got it. Appreciate that. But you should bring them in. Some of us, oh, you know, we just want to stay at home on Sunday night and watch our show and, you know, and It's only 26 weeks, Awana, out of 52 Sundays. It's a great program. They're working hard. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Finally, secondly, God's truth in the end will be vindicated. It will be vindicated. 
Now, I know sometimes we can get distressed in our day by the false teachers who oppose and trouble the church, but we must never, ever, ever forget, even if a few weak people may be taken in, even if falsehood seems fashionable more and more, in the end, God's truth will be vindicated. That's what Paul says. In the end, he says their folly will be obvious to all. 21 centuries have come and gone. And so many of these movements have come and gone, and the greatest folly of all is yet to come. A man told me in my yard this week when he was working on my well, he said, I think the seal's been broken, and, you know, we're, we're, we're in the tribulation. I said, no, it hadn't happened yet. But I said, what we see happening is probably a precursor to what is going to happen. I'm not here to make a judgment whether what they're doing is right or wrong. All I'm saying is it's an excellent precursor in terms of the control of the nations of the world. And when real trouble comes, and we haven't seen anything yet, you talk about fear, you talk about disaster. Wait till the great tribulation comes. But even under that great deception... God's truth will be vindicated. So I would just ask you as we close, God's truth demands a decision, lest we believe error. You may be here today and you're not saved, and you're thinking, well, I've got some days yet to make my decision. The Bible says, boast not yourself about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. God says today is the day of salvation. God wants you to be saved today. No, not today, God. I'm not going to do that today then you have hardened your heart towards God. And tomorrow it won't be easier. It will be more difficult for you to decide. And you can't come on your timetable. The Spirit of God will not always deal with you. He'll not always strive with men. And Jesus said because of the indecision of the people in his day, because they would not believe, they came to the place where they could not believe. If I didn't know for sure that I had a home in heaven based on what this book says, I wouldn't want to leave this building until I got it right. Now, our Father, we thank you this morning for the things that we read, that this is not simply what you have said, but what you are saying. So help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, help some dear, precious person listening somewhere in the world who's not sure of salvation. They don't understand that Jesus paid it all, 100% of the debt they owe you. And if they will admit that that sin deserves judgment, that it needs to be forgiven and changed, and you can do it through the cross, that if they'll call on Jesus' name, they will instantly and forever be changed. Help someone today to say, Lord Jesus, save me. And help us with courage in the last days to guard the gospel, to preach the gospel, to be good stewards of the gospel that you've entrusted to us, not to despair, but to be prepared with the people that are around us who need the same forgiveness that someone extended to us. May our hearts be overflowing with compassion and willing to share this good news. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message concludes Pastor Carl's series on evangelism. If you enjoyed this series, remember that you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478. And requesting program Sharing Christ in the Last Days, 021. 
You can support the ministry of Search the Scriptures by calling, or you can give online at searchthescriptures.org. Your generous donation plays an important role in providing biblical teaching and spreading the gospel. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to Search the Scriptures.